Welcome back to Equal Time Soccer. We are back. A little bit of a short spell of shows here in the winter lulls, but guess what? We've got summer leagues heating up. We have tryouts and everybody getting ready for the summer in all of the different leagues we have going on in Minnesota. This show is featuring a new team, Minnesota Aurora 2, and their head coach, a new assistant coach for the Aurora First team. Welcome, Mandy Pukabradsky. Is that right, Mandy? Yeah, you nailed it. Boom. I had to watch one interview before. Um, and it's not so dissimilar from Pabrotsky. And then also, of course, the first assistant uh, for this year, director of camps as well, Colette Montgomery. Thank you, Colette. All right. You guys, we're, we're excited. It's, it's been, I mean, not so much a cold winter, but still a dark and, uh, and slow winter in terms of soccer. So we're excited to kind of get into it. Um, kick it off for us, Mandy. We're talking, people are excited for the new, new team, the new reserve squad. Talk about, you know, how you became the first head coach of Aurora too. Well, first of all, I'm super excited to be a part of the organization. Um, had nothing but positive experiences. So, you know, once I, I kind of heard, I've, I've known Nicole for a little while now. Um, I recently got back from a, a goal of mine. Um, and so I had a little bit of a career gap due to that goal and pursuit. Uh, so mm -hmm. saw the posting for Aurora 2 and got my application in. And it's been a, a good process getting to know everybody within the organization. So it was more so just refining what it is that I want to do with my career moving forward. And, you know, Aurora just came around at the right time as I was coming back. Um, so this opportunity is everything that I could have hoped for. Yeah. Have you what, talk about the experience of applying for the job? I mean, in terms of comparing it to applying for other positions and just obviously it's a bit more high profile of a job. And I don't know if that made a difference or if, you know, talk about your experience going through it. So it was definitely a very professional environment and experience. And I really appreciated that. Um, I appreciated the fact that it was very well thought out. Um, the questions that were asked, the way in which we were asked to submit our applications, um, questionnaires that came before I even had an in-person interview, just to kind of get to know like what I'm like. Am I a good fit for the organization? Do my values align with the organization values? Um, so there were some different questions that weren't typical, and I re that really resonated very well with me. Um, and so that made me even more interested in the process. So then after kind of the questionnaire came back, it was starting to do some online interviews. Um, so we had a series, I believe, of three of those, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and they were all with different people within the organization. Okay. And that's definitely something, again, that I appreciated just because you get to meet front office staff. You get to meet, you know, obviously Nicole being on the sporting side. Mm -hmm. um, but just the interaction with everybody really gave you a, a, a good scope of what to expect going into, you know, a final round of the interview, in which case that was in the office. Um, so just getting to kind of see the space, meet people in person, which is so very different than being yeah. online. Yeah. Um, so that was a good final step as well as just kind of getting to interact with everybody in person. Yeah. Yeah. And to flipping it to you, Colette, you're someone with, and we'll lay the groundwork. This we got a D3 heavy, uh, a show here. These are, this is uh, a non-athlete who went, I am, I did, I had to wear my Morris uh, gear because I had right. the other D3 ears <laughs> on here. Um, but so we'll go a little deep into that for people who don't follow uh, the D3 uh, level of the game. Uh, so you'll learn a little more today, but Colette, you uh, historically, you're the first person to coach 
a woman to coach a men's team in the UMAC. And you also did it while coaching the women's team at the same time. And yes. so for people that don't know, North Central is a small college, as is Morris, my alma mater. But mm -hmm. so that's, you know, the things you deal with at a small college. Talk about coaching both teams at the same time. And then also just, had you coached young men before? What was that like? Yeah, no. I, yeah. I, again, thank you for having us on. Super excited to talk about some origin stories. But yeah, I've been in the Minnesota area now for about 20 years and had mm -hmm. a lot of different experiences in the youth game before I went into the college game. But yeah, I uh, was given a, an amazing opportunity at North Central to lead both the men's and the women's teams there. And you're right, you know, it's a small school, but the school really made some really good investments in hiring full-time coaches. And that was one of the reasons to be able to get into that was to lead both programs. Mm -hmm. uh, not typical, although it's becoming more and more uh, yeah. in some smaller schools environments. But yeah, I just had a really good opportunity to stretch myself you know, I believe that we coach individuals and just people. We're in the people mm -hmm. business. So mm -hmm. love developing people, had 45 student athletes, uh -huh. each with their own needs and starting points and backgrounds and just had an amazing experience mm -hmm. being able to bring who I was, meet them where they're at and to help them to be the best versions of themselves. So mm -hmm. that's been the last couple of years just doing that. And so now this opportunity has arisen and I'm super excited to join mm -hmm. the team over here at Aurora. Did you ever, uh, thinking of the challenges of that, did you ever train together? Did you mix training ever? Like, You know what? It's, it's trying to keep it like connected, but still like their own, their yeah. own teams. Uh, but, you know, the culture that we developed was very much that like we want everybody to get along and to support each other. And so they did that mm -hmm. organically and naturally without even cool. having to force it. So a lot of the off season, they'd get together and go play down at Ninth Street or uh, mm -hmm. do some of the programming there. We'd, we'd mix every now and again, but we tried to keep that as more of a special, a yeah. special moment than a forced thing. Yeah. Uh, but organically, they did things that I'm like, this is great. Um, yeah. Building the just natural things happened because the culture was was mm -hmm. created, you know? No, it'd be fun. Well, funny to do like a mixed skirmish or something like that. But um, the shout out to uh, who's it? Megan Smith. When I was a U19, our town was very small and we were very thin. She was played on our team for games and she was far from the worst player. She was definitely in the top half of our U19 squad, even as a U19 level, yes. um, which I, I saw something uh, Mandy and watching a prior interview with you. I know one of the ways like you just got enough of the game as a teenager, you played on your brother's U17 boys team, right? So talk about that experience. What'd you get out of that? I did. Um, so I'm two years younger than my brother and we both played for the same club. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. You're playing um, up and with boys as well. She wants yeah, to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's just one game I really remember. And that's the fact that I went in and all the, like we had a corner kick and all the boys weren't concerned about marking me. And lo and behold, I was able to score the goal from right. it. Um, but no, I mean, I think for me, playing with boys has always been really crucial, not just for development, but it's always been like an extra challenge. And I've always loved having that, you know, whether people want to doubt me or whether they want to say like, it's a challenge, like I want to see what that limit is and I want to find the limit. Yeah. Um, so playing with boys definitely gave me a different perspective and gave me that ability to kind of continue to pursue what those limits were. Um, and continue to be moving forward for, you know, whether that be youth players now or women mm -hmm. coaching today as well. Yeah. Well, and it, you've spent a lot of time 
working with youth, I mean, you've been with Rush for a few years now, right? So, I mean, talk about your past. Obviously, that must have helped you a little bit in having some idea of uh, applying to work with Coach Lukic and knowing Nicole previously, right? So, what was your experience with her before? How much had you worked with her in, in, you know, with Rush? Yeah, so when I originally moved back to the Midwest from California back in 2018, I became part of Blaine Soccer Club. Um, And then when we transitioned to become Twin Cities Rush, um, Mm -hmm. that's when Nicole actually was joining us. Um, So she came in and she had previous experience working with Wisconsin West Rush. Mm -hmm. Um, So she was a really good resource just to kind of understand what the quote unquote Rush way is. Uh Um, And she was a really good mentor for me, somebody that I could converse with. She's obviously very accomplished in her coaching career and her experiences um, and something someone I really look up to and was really a first female mentor that was a coach Mm -hmm. that I could use as a resource and bounce ideas off of and say, hey, this is kind of a space that I'm struggling in right now. Like, how have you navigated these instances in the past? Um, So she's been a really good sounding board for me and somebody that has helped challenge me and continued to push my individual growth as a, as a person and a coach. When you were growing up, did you have women coaches? I did. I was actually really fortunate to have some really good female coaches. Um, as I got older though, they kind of moved on to different endeavors. Um, Chris Zeitz is actually the one I, I really remember. Um, she was with us when I was probably U 11 through U 13, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. Um, And she was just somebody that continued to kind of push the norm. It wasn't common to see female coaches at that time. Predominantly, I always had male coaches, Mm -hmm. Um, but still very fortunate to have Chris's influence and kind of see what a female can do in the Mm -hmm. soccer space and know that if coaching something I want to do, I I can do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really cool to hear. Colette, you've also spent time, I think, you know, working with Coach Lukic the last few years. Different sort of question, rate her singing one to ten. Oh, singing. The latest song probably wasn't the best for her voice, but I was <laughs> an 8.9, close to a 9, close to 9. Well, that's pretty good. Wow. I didn't know. I had no idea. That came straight from Coach Lukic, by the way. The first thing that came to mind when I uh, I asked her to <laughs> well, The dance moves are 10 out of 10, for well, sure. Here's, and here's the thing about Nicole as well, on uh, respect, you know, she... She wouldn't have me ask you a real question about soccer. She doesn't want to give anything away. She's become very, she's so professional now. She's so tight-lipped. She doesn't want any, so she keeps it light. She doesn't want the real uh, the real soccer talk going on. Um, no, shout out to shout out to Coach Lukic, of course. Um, but um, talk about your experience with Nicole, though, before this. How did, how did you first meet her, and what's your experience been with Nicole? Yeah, no, it's very different to Mandy. Obviously, um, you know, as a woman coach, you know, you, you don't get to meet everybody at times, but I'd never really met Nicole until uh, mm-hmm. the coach education session last last May. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, that was the very first time, and uh, I had more connections in the past with uh Coach Jenny Clark and uh, yeah. Jen Larrick through different coach education uh, mm-hmm. pathways, previous coaching experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, met Nicole, had a really good, like, just a good vibe straight off the bat with her. And uh, and then, yeah, as the interview process just kept going along, just really can resonate a lot with her philosophy, mm-hmm. the way that she handles everything professionally, communication, just very impressed. And as Mandy shared, you know, just she's – got a great resume already. She's done amazing work these last two years with Aurora. 
and uh, excited to see where we can take uh, this team going forward now. So it's awesome. Yeah. Well, and, and one of the biggest things that is exciting for the team is this new squad. I mean, part of it is, of course, that um, it's a typical thing now when the growing of the scale of leagues in this country that teams are able to have a backup team like this. A lot of W League teams, a few of them serve as the reserve to like an NWSL team. And so um, this is Aurora trying to have a pathway developed like that, um, which you can see when you lose players to go pro, you lose players to aging out. Like there's going to be a lot of new players this year. So you could definitely see the need um, for the new side. Mandy, um, as the coach in this, it's a really new league on the women's side, the UPSL. Last year was the first time we had it up here called the Midwest West Division, which is maybe the best named, most uniquely named of it. I love it. Can't get enough. But what do you expect about uh, like the level of standard and you stepping into this UPSL women's league? Yeah, I'm really excited for what the UPSL can continue to grow to be. This being only the second year coming up. Um, the division's already growing from five teams last year to 12 this upcoming year. Mm. Um, so I think that speaks volumes to where the league is heading, just to have that amount of growth in such a short period of time. Mm. Um, so with that being said, I think co competition will continue to grow. And that's that's the point of what we're doing, is we want to continue to create opportunities um, at all at a variety of levels and a variety of spaces for, mm -hmm. for all women players. And so I think, you know, seeing the growth of this league alone and the fact that we're bringing a team into it, um, I'm really excited for what the future holds for UPSL, but also for what we're going to do in the league itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can tell you that. So I, I spoke before we started, I bartend at the Blackheart. That's where a lot of the Ravon to let uh, hardcore members hang out all the time. And so I'm with them constantly. And so I will say, I don't know if you can answer this or if you have an answer, but they're so excited about it maybe being uh, the games being closer into the Twin Cities or in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Can you say where they're going to play, Mandy? I cannot officially say where they're going to be. That will be coming out right. really soon, though. And I, I will say this. We're incredibly excited about this location, yeah. um, especially, I think, for what it's going to mean for the fans and for mm -hmm. the team itself. Yeah, I, I will say this. I texted Coach Lukic to ask uh, if I can, if this would be something that could come out. And they said no. So I knew you could. But I had to ask for the for the fans would be mad if I didn't. But Coach Lukic did when I asked, uh, saying people were really hoping that it'll be close to Blackheart so we could do, and she just did a smiley face response emoji. So <laughs> that's about as much as you can get. That's that's pretty good from Coach Lukic. Um, but I heard, I, I, I one other thing I heard from you, Mandy, about your experience, which I think is really cool given the role you have now, is like you were playing in high school, you played growing up, you didn't get any college opportunities um, and it made you stop playing. And you and um, just talk about that experience and maybe the contrast with, of course there were plenty of teams then as well, but like the opportunities are a lot different now, um, even from just when you were growing up. So just maybe reflect on that and what, what you see as the difference for these young players. Yeah, no. Um... When I was kind of going through my college recruiting process, there there wasn't hardly any information. I mean, the internet was barely in existence. Um, so like as far as resources, social media, like as far as people sharing what their stories were like, I didn't really know what to look for, what to expect. And so, you know, obviously playing college soccer for the women's side has been kind of the penultimate for a long period of time. And starting to see that change where like there are these – 
you know, obviously with Aurora and then obviously the growth of the NWSL and just leagues around the entire globe, like just affording women extra opportunities and more opportunities to play um, has been phenomenal to see because that didn't exist when I was around and I didn't know what my options were and I didn't have anybody to help me kind of guide what that process was. So when I didn't really get offered anything. I'm kind of like, well, I feel like I'm kind of just out of luck. Guess I'm done playing. Um, and that was that. And yeah. it was something that sat with me for a really, really long time. Mm-hmm. And then lo and behold, I had an opportunity to come play for uh, Des Moines Menace at the time. They don't have a female team anymore, but mm-hmm. that's kind of what gave me that little bit more of a spark of like, uh-huh. this is what it could be like for female athletes and yeah. moving forward. It's cool you went out and did that. I liked hearing that detail, like as in your in your twenties, right? You know what? I want to go out and try and play again. And I mean, Des Moines, Des Moines Menace are a big. Uh, I mean, that's a bummer. They don't have a women's team anymore. Yeah. They're a mainstay in terms of uh, a club in Iowa for sure. Um, but talk, Colette, talk about your. Uh, in contrasting that, just you know, talk about your experience playing the game and how that and how that relates to you know how you connect with players now and your experience. Well, all those years ago, I was a player, but I played in. I grew the up women's super in, league wasn't around, Colette. You couldn't dream of the women's super league. <laughs> so I, I, I grew up playing in England. I was really fortunate, actually, as Mandy said earlier on too, is just to have uh, female role models and to have people that you can see. And so I feel like, yeah, I've always been able to see her. So I could actually envision being. Mm-hmm. Uh, a coach, being a leader in the sports space. Uh, I grew up in the Doncaster area, so I played for the Doncaster Bells youth system. Yes. Although I was just getting going uh, while I was in my kind of teenage years, um, but have seen like the the reserve program into the first team environment, and had yes. coaches like a Julie Chipchase uh, to look up to. And Hope Powell was the England women's coach at the time. Jill Coulthard was the England manager at that time, and I played at the National Women's Football Academy, and Jill was on staff mm-hmm. there. So. Just have had many opportunities. Uh, I ended up moving down to the Leicestershire area, and uh, there were people like Mary Rudkin who were phenomenal in the community there, uh, and then getting into coaching. So I, I knew that playing wasn't going to be necessarily my path. Uh, I had a lot of friends of mine that came over to the States to play, uh, but I knew that coaching was definitely something that I was interested in pursuing, and so I started that journey uh, really early on and was given a lot of different opportunities to access courses and start pursuing that and taking that really seriously. So mm-hmm. kind of blending that between the playing experience to then coaching, but then now really just trying to create pathways for sports, mm-hmm. soccer in particular, right, for women to be involved mm-hmm. and to, and just to stay in the game as long as they can. You know, we talk a lot about maybe uh, women playing the game and then going into coaching, but there's so many things. I just think about our front office, right? There's mm-hmm. many ways that you can still be involved in soccer, in sport, and even if you haven't played, yeah. uh, bringing who you are and the skills and the gifts that you have and putting them into action in this space, mm-hmm. those those opportunities are available for women yeah. uh, across the globe. So I'm excited for the future. Mm-hmm. We just really have seen kind of the tip of the iceberg, right, for women's sports and where we can take it. Yeah, well, and it's we we talk about all the time. There's the little kind of crew of dorks like me who cover 
uh, Aurora and Summer League Soccer as like a soccer journalism side hustle. And we joked like we're pre-professional too, you know, like these these teams doing more and the leagues doing more gives mm -hmm. us an opportunity, um, you know, to do what we do. Because like in the UPSL, for example, this will definitely raise the profile in terms of potential um, uh, public awareness because a lot of those teams just sit atop a youth club and it, you know fair to them it's not meant to be a public facing thing it's meant to be a training and playing opportunity but of course those players would love to have the attention that comes with aurora as well and so like that should hopefully make the upsl itself you know really you know more fun the way it's helped um w league players already um, I did want to ask, so we were at tryouts and this, I mean, for both of you, first to Mandy, but I also want, you know, Clet, you've been heavily involved in tryouts. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you all in terms of what you expect to see in terms of the players coming out of that and the makeup of these squads. We just from eyeballing it, of course, like I don't get a list of players, but I could eyeball. There's some, you know, D2 standouts from local teams, a few D1 players who are really, um, who's shown. And I think, and also uh, Coach Lukic let us speak to a couple. So that led us into a little insight as to who might be joining the teams. People like um, uh, Ana Ricardo Pacheco, uh, who she had us speak to, and she played in the W League last year. Um, but so Mandy, you first when looking at those tryouts and looking at what you're thinking in terms of potential makeup, the, one of the things that was interesting is there's a lot of younger players as well, a lot of high schoolers. Um, and so that's different from Aurora for the most part, the Aurora one team. What do you think the makeup of the squad will look like? And what did you see from the level of talent at tryouts? Yeah, no, I think, I mean, I've been in a very fortunate position where I've been able to be involved in tryouts over the first three, well, the last three years in first three years. Um, and just watching the evolution and the growth of yeah. even just the tryouts alone has been phenomenal to see. Just, yeah. you know, the talent just continues to get better and better. Um, so as far as what we're expecting from the roster, I'm absolutely stoked to see this full group together. Um, really excited for the players that are, have committed, that have said yes, and we're ready to go. Um, we're ready to compete. Our, our goal is obviously playoffs and to win a championship. And you know, with the talent that we have and the individuals we're bringing in, I'm very confident in what we can accomplish this year. Um, and the big thing is, is having players with like mindsets that want to continue to push themselves, that want to continue to grow, not just as players, but as people. And I think, you know, the environment itself is going to help put that into place for them. Mm -hmm. Well, and also, I mean, you have maybe the best, uh, simplest motivator um, of almost any coach in the United States, which is, there's very few who get to do what you do, which is to say you are the, the coach Luke had said, like, there's not going to be training players as there were in the past, like some of your Hamlin players who were there to be backup and, and fill numbers. That's not going to be the case. Those type of players will be on Aurora too. And if people need to be pulled up, they'll pull people from Aurora too. So won't be very hard to motivate your players <laughs> for, for the chance to get in front of 6,000 probably Mandy. <laughs> No, I mean, I think every player that I've personally spoken to and I will continue to speak with, like, they're excited for the opportunities. Um, You know, our goal is to make the second team environment mimic the first team. So it's going to be yeah. a seamless transition for any player that's going to go play with the first team that they, they're already ready to roll with what the expectations are, the style of play. So mm -hmm. we're really excited for, for what's coming in. Mm -hmm. And so Colette, for you, I'm, you know, the, one of the things I joked about it being a pre-professional thing, you know, for me getting to do soccer journalism, for you, for you all getting these steps up and different opportunities, I'm wondering what this means for you professionally and also how, like, as opposed to when you first started coaching, the scale of what you could dream 
um, for what you can do in the game is like, there's a lot bigger dreams to be had now. And so I wonder what this role means to you personally and just what it, what it does to your long-term outlook of, of your place in the game and what you could do. Wow, that's that's unpack that question or ask it a little bit simpler, but that's loaded. <laughs> that's a loaded question right there. Um, I mean, look, the game just continues to grow and develop and more opportunities are coming and building even with the Aurora 2 squad and just, again, providing another environment that's a little bit more, it's more than a summer team, is a high commitment, a high com competition level. Mm -hmm. And... It's a platform for anybody to keep moving in the game in the direction that they want to go. And, you know, Mandy touched on just the mindset that we're looking for. You know, it's not always about the ability. It's about the mindset and the fit of what we're looking for as far as, you know, what the Aurora DNA is and how that group of individuals is motivated and self-directed come together in a collaborative environment and still are able to achieve their own personal goals whilst not forgoing the, the goal of the team, which is to not just get into that championship game, but to win the championship. Mm -hmm. um, and so for me professionally, you know, I'm learning a lot. I think that's part of the reason I stepped into this space is, is the same thing. You know, you want to keep growing and pushing yourself to the limits of what you can do and what's out there. Uh, it's going to be a lot of growth and humility and just saying, I don't know, and, uh, yeah. and moving ahead with that. But um you know, again, very fortunate to to be in a place where it's already started off on a great foundation, created that culture and tradition of winning. And now how do we keep pushing that from a performance perspective, as you said, with the roster changing? And I'd probably even push back a little bit on saying that we lose players because we don't lose them. We know exactly where they are yeah. and we help them to get to where they want to go. And so, you know, those yeah. things are, I think, one of the things that, that I think we can do even better is just this this celebrating success, no mm -hmm. matter where. And we know that people coming into Aurora, it's a pit stop for them, right? Mm -hmm. They're onto another destination and we're gonna yep. have just a very small piece of that puzzle in their life 10 years down the road. Mm -hmm. They're gonna be able to reflect back on that and look at the impact that we've been able to have. And I think as a coach, we're in exactly the same journey, right? This is part of the puzzle. It's not the whole thing, but uh, just definitely excited for this next phase. Yeah. Well, and speaking of this, it was a very cool thing. Uh, just by the the blessing of network programming, we got to watch Tiana Harris um, in her uh, French team playing at PSG, or they were hosting PSG at Paris FC Stadium. Look, I can dig into the weeds if you want, but we were watching it at the Blackheart and it was a very cool thing that a few of us who could make it in the middle of the day got to watch her play and they got a draw, by the way, against the big, big bad uh, squad PSG, yeah. even though Leon's better on the field, but still the better villain is PSG. They got the 1-1. One -one. Um, I'm sure the budgets of those clubs are wildly different. And so T Harris, um, a huge standout last year um, for Aurora. Maybe that's the only year we get to see Tiana, but guess what? Now we get to watch and cheer for her um, in yes. France playing in Ligue 1. Um, a quick ad break to support our sponsors. I want to give a shout out to Pence Homes. I live in a Pence home and have many friends who do. Nate Pence has been a great supporter of the local soccer community, including as an owner of Minnesota Aurora FC. Nate and Lydia are fantastic realtors and can help with buying, selling, remodels, and everything else you need to do. We're also brought to you by Modest Brewing. Shout out to the gear at Modest. I appreciate the inclusive merch they have, like Protect Trans Kids shirt. I get so much love uh, at the Blackheart wearing that. I have a cool Hawaiian shirt from them. 
And also the friends from Ravantelet love the THC seltzers I uh, I brought to them. So lots of stuff going on with Modest. Thank you for support of women's soccer. When you see us on the road, when you see Matt being insane, flying to games all over the place, uh, part of that is because we get support from sponsors to, to cover the women's game. So thank you and to the Patreons who donate uh, every month. Um, one thing I want to ask you, obviously one of the big draws of this team, there's there's only so many uh, women's teams in the world who draw the fans that Aurora do. We I try to watch the Women's Super League every weekend when I'm bartending. And look, some of those get to amazing numbers. But the week to week, 6,000 would be a really strong number in basically you know almost any country. And so I'm wondering for you guys, I mean, how excited are you are to be a part of it? And maybe and just what's the best? soccer atmosphere you've ever you know been to in person colette you you can yeah. you can say first oh i was hoping you're gonna go to mandy first on that one <laughs> um let me think when i was uh, in my teenage years went on a a soccer tour to poland and ended up uh at a romania versus poland game oh and uh that was an interesting one flares everywhere um yeah. police you know just very very different from what uh, I'd experienced and definitely not anything like what you'd see over at TCO stadium. No, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, you know what? We just want uh, to be as inclusive as possible. We want everybody uh, to come and experience a phenomenal environment where they can really belong mm -hmm. and be included in the game, whether they've never seen soccer before in their life before, or whether they've been a lifelong fan. Um, the fans are everything. Uh, their experience is as important as the player's experience. And um, I'm definitely, uh, we'll have some nerves and some excitement and try to get those to be pretty equally balanced so that I'm yeah. not one way or the other. Yeah. Uh, first time we walk out, but um, yeah, I just really, really want to appreciate the fans and um, thank them for the support. You know, the season tickets just went on sale. And so we know the schedule's coming out soon. So there's lots of coming soon moments, mm -hmm. uh, not just for the first team, but also for the second team, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, we're hoping that we can really rally and get a great fan base uh, for Aurora 2 as well. And mm -hmm. really important that we create that professional game day environment for both squads. Yeah, yeah. Mandy, how about you talk about, I mean, you also, I was thinking, both of you work tryouts. You must be thinking, God, maybe I could get a bigger piece of, maybe I could get a bigger role in this. Maybe I get to be at the stadium, so, you know, but, um, so I'm sure what did you think that when you were working tryouts? But yeah, what talk about, you know, excitement for even, I mean, being a part of the Aurora One games, but also, yeah, what's, uh, you know, what is the biggest kind of soccer atmosphere you've experienced yourself? Yeah, no, I, I think Colette, kind of summed it up, but I think, you know, the fans make the environment what it is for, for the entire squad. Like the energy that the fans bring is unparalleled to what I've seen in women's mm -hmm. soccer. And that's from, you know, I went to several games when I lived in California for the Stanford women's team. That's the year yeah. they won the national championship, like with Katarina Macario and everybody. Yeah. And so like to see what Aurora does, like the Aurora fans do for this team is absolutely phenomenal. Um, and that energy is not unnoticed. Um, it's yeah. definitely something that I can imagine the players feel deeply when they're on the field playing. It's something that they're excited for when they step on onto the field um, mm -hmm. and something I'm really excited to partake in this year. Um, mm -hmm. One of the best environments, I think, for me was when I was in Spain. I got to go see uh, Barcelona Femine play at Estadio Johan Cruyff. Um, wow. And so, like, it was it was to choose between go see the men play and go see the women play. So. Yeah. 
We went to go see the women. Oh, they're fight. better. The women are better. <laughs> I don't agree. They are phenomenal to watch. But um, just to see the people taking the trains, and this was dads with their sons. This was yeah, yeah. moms with their families, and like just entire groups of people, or just individual people who want to go enjoy the game. Mm-hmm. It was just phenomenal to see the community support there. And I can imagine that's what I'm going to get to partake in this year as well, this summer. And so I'm really yeah. excited for that. What a cool, what a cool team to get to watch. Wow. I mean, they are, yeah, just, yeah. Historic. They're yeah. run the last few years. It's kind of like um, Chelsea in the super league in England. Yeah. With Emma Hayes. Um, yes. Talk about, I mean, both of you have been coaching. I mean, you've had a lot of experience coaching. Um, I'm wondering uh, what your very first coaching gig was like Colette, what was your very first coaching job or, and maybe it was your volunteering when you were a teenager, but what was the first time you coached? Gosh. Yeah. Let me think about that. I, when I was a junior in high school, I put together the very first girls team at the school and it was a group of freshmen, sophomores, and they were unbelievably funny. Um, we had a great time together. What's the school? Shout out the school, Colette. Oh, Macaulay. Macaulay School in Cantley. Yes. Let's go, baby. So, uh, yeah, I still have a picture from that group, and it's one of those ones where you think they're doing a goofy one, but that was the actual picture. There's no other picture sure. that exists. Yeah. <laughs> sure. um, but, yeah, just you just learn a lot. I think that's the, the thing with coaching, right? It's a trade. So everybody has a day one, and then you uh-huh. move on from there, and it's just experience and experiential learning through trial, error, and uh, some success along the way. But, so you you started that as the coach of it as a high schooler? Yes. Okay. that's. I was literally just reading an article about a, a high school boy who coaches a JV team uh, in basketball. And that's, wow, that, yeah, the kind of funny timing. That is so, and you, it was a team of what is the, and forgive me for asking, like, what, what's the structure of like school league soccer there? Because obviously it's not the academy system of it, but it's like, it's the school league. No, it, was, it like, wasn't even a school league. So when I played, there was no school. There's no soccer at school, for, especially for girls. Yeah. Um, and so it was just, we were just going to do some training sessions. We didn't have games to play. Yeah. Just every now and again, we'd find a patch of grass at the school and cool. let's just go for it. So it was, it was about as grassroots as you can get. Oh so, my gosh. We got uh, someone write the script, Colette. That's great. That's, that's a good chapter in your, uh, in your biopic for sure. That's yeah. uh, absolutely. Mandy, what was your first team? Is it as romantic as that? <laughs> no, absolutely not. Um, I was also in high school, but I was volunteer coaching for our youngest program for the club I played for. So oh, yeah. I had like four and five year olds and it was horrifying for me. What was the club? Heartland Soccer Club. They no longer exist, okay. um, but it was in Iowa. But like just being like a 16 year old in charge of five year olds, like Terrible. thankfully I had the energy for it but it was just like I don't know how to do this it was very humbling as far as an experience goes so if anybody needs to be humbled go work with the young ones yeah yeah no I would I could only imagine I I, I like bartending for the kids but it's only a few at a time they come with to watch soccer toddlers in the morning I can take a few toddlers but yeah five and six they're getting too smart and they're they're too fast Mandy they'll do they'll do whatever they'll do whatever they want that's great Heartland by the way is the club I played for in in Walker, Minnesota was Heartland Soccer Club. So, and I I know I have a bad jersey around here somewhere. So, yeah, good good connection with you on that. Um, talk about uh, I wanted to ask you, Colette. One thing I just saw like in in your bio was being on U.S. Club Soccer's board of directors. Yeah. 
I don't know what that I don't know what it is. I could assume that it's it's the collection of US clubs, but what talk about that group and what your role in it is like. Yeah, so I just got back actually yesterday. I was down in Dallas for a board meeting. Um, so US Club Soccer is a national organization, so an affiliate of uh, US Soccer. Yeah. So we register about 500,000 uh, youth players across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I'm an at-large director. I've been on the board since 2018 um, mm-hmm. and serve on the nominating uh, and governance committee. And then also I'm the chair of the uh, risk management committee as well. So play, dealing with player safety. And mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah, just another great experience to be around different people, different networks, um, doing good work and just trying to provide um, safe, healthy playing environments for youth across the nation. Mm-hmm straight up bureaucrat Colette you're in you're you're in the structure talk about but what uh I love that I mean I I I don't know uh I don't go through and read like the board meeting minutes sometimes I do about the U.S. soccer or whatever but talk about what made you want to be involved in that because it because of course it's connected to your role on the field and what you do as players but it's also a totally different type of work you're committing to administrative and I joke but like political type work to try to um, what are the main things you try to accomplish in that group? Is it about like just youth player standards and, and things like that? Yeah. So one of the reasons I got involved, obviously, is because, you know, we want to have re- women represented at every board level as mm-hmm. possible. And I was invited to the table. And mm-hmm. I've generally in my career, when an opportunity has arisen to be able to say yes to something, I take that opportunity and was given it um, yeah. by a colleague that I met through the coach and education world um and so yeah again it's just really how do we raise the standards in the game um you know we're not as exactly as far as you know impact in the game that's those decisions are made locally right by the leagues and the local clubs uh but providing platforms for coach education and then standards across the game the Mm -hmm. difference really with the us club board is that everybody that's on the board is actually working in in the software, right. down boots on the ground, uh, licensed coaches in the yep. room so that soccer people are making soccer decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's, again, another way to influence and impact the game at a different level. Uh, mm-hmm. I've always been more of like that big picture person. So I, I kind of like to see things, what things look like on the national level so that things resonate a little bit uh, deeper on the local level. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt very fortunate to be able to see it from that different perspective. It helps you to understand uh, where we're going, how we're going, and then some of the pitfalls and successes, mm-hmm. what's worked well and mm-hmm. how do we need to improve and what do we need to do better. So, nice. Well, yeah. very cool that you're still in that role because I've, you know, I've someone who had, previous parts of my life did a lot of like organizing and political work and serving on in positions like that can be very thankless and it could you know you eventually burn out so i hope i'm glad that you're uh it seems like it's a rewarding thing for you and also like you said very important to have representation in that group because um so when i ask players about the coaches they've had it's because of for a reason because there's you know you don't see the representation of, of women in those positions so that's cool to hear yeah. um Speaking of D, I referenced D three a little, a little section on your experiences with college here in Minnesota. So I mean, Mandy, being being a coach at that level, and I kind of joked, but it is like 
it's a lower even for d3 right which is a specific thing a specific thing these are smaller programs like i went to morris like these are smaller schools it is not athletics is not the number one goal of these schools you know or, or these students quite frankly and so i wonder for you like you're still you're trying to coach and to grow into a better and better coach to become you know a professional coach how do you balance that like to, treating it professionally for yourself and wanting to be, you know, become a, a skilled professional soccer coach while also meeting them where they are, you know, and, and making it a productive thing for both of you. Yeah, no, I think Colette said it towards the beginning of the show where it's, we're in the business of people. Um, and it's getting to know each individual player as a person, like what's driving them, like what is it about their experience that they want to, like, what do they want out of the experience? Mm -hmm. um, and also understanding like there is a part of recruiting involved with it as well. And it's like making sure that you're finding those players that have that mindset that are going to contribute to building the culture that the program wants. Um, you know, I've had a fantastic mentor um, and colleague, Michael, who's the head of the program there at Hamlin. Um, you know, I've known him since we were back in Iowa together. And so I was very fortunate to come in and coach with him for the last two seasons um, and just kind of watching him on how he's kind of built culture into the program and like talk to him about like how it is that sometimes culture also needs change yeah. and like how you can go about doing that with like, and it's, it, it all starts with a mindset, like how people do things like their daily habits reveal a lot about what they're going to do on the field. You can't expect players to be driven only in training. They have to be driven uh -huh. in all facets of their life because it bleeds into everything. Mm -hmm. Habits are everything. And so, you know, if, are you excelling as a student? Are academics important? Fantastic. How can we support you? But if they have that kind of drive and they want to continue to succeed in both academics and athletics, we find that way to continue to bridge that gap, whether that be through developing individual development plans, um, you know, making sure that players know where they're at to be able to continue to progress as well. Um, but I think it really does come down to the root of getting to know each player mm -hmm. as a person and knowing why they want to be there. Um, yeah. That drives every other decision. Yeah. Talk about um, Colette you, you, in a similar situation to you. By the way, I did. I don't, I don't remember the women's record this last year, but for some reason it stuck with me. I saw your men at North Central swept Morris last fall. So shout out to, is it the Rams? The Rams, yes. Shout out, Rams. Shout out to the Rams. I also lost a... Uh, a tiebreaker tennis match to a North Central tennis oh. player in my one <laughs> when I back when I was uh, 20 years ago when I was in college. Um, but for your experience of coaching, because um, you've been at North Central for quite a while now, a good yeah. stretch. What are your favorite thing about coaching? Like I, we talked about the balance of like the focus of the players and what you're trying to get out of it. What is your favorite thing about like coaching in that context? Because you've coached youth players, you've coached different things. It's a specific thing to coach kind of D3 the way you are. What's your favorite thing about coaching there? Yeah, I think it's the holistic development, which is my, I think Mandy's touching on, right? Is, you know, it's the people development through sports, right? So helping them to become self-directed learners, take initiative, be proactive, mm -hmm. um, you know, discover who they are. I think the, the best thing about working with young adults is they're in those formative years, right? Where they're really working out who they are, what do they believe and who, the, who do they want to be way more than what they do on the field, right? So the who is yeah. way more important. Um, and just leveraging that as, as you go forward. I think the biggest thing that I really found rewarding was every single player in our program improved every season. Uh -huh. and 
because we were in a system that didn't necessarily emphasize the winning piece and the outcomes. It yep. was truly about the process. Uh -huh. And I think that what I learned a lot as a, as a coach, they made me better coach, right? Because I'm not thinking about the win losses because if I did, it would be pretty discouraging to some, to some degree. Um, but you know what, from day one until the, the last time that we were on the field together in that season, there was no doubt that every player improved in some part of their game and was also challenged in that leadership development piece of, oh, you are a better person now because you've had to learn how to deal with different people from different backgrounds and different personalities. Um, you've been put in different roles than different coaches put you in um, and have that kind of healthy conflict, right? And those are the things that I love teaching people, working with people on, um yeah how to how to navigate through tough challenging circumstances and build adversity through and develop resilience um and and stay hopeful right that no matter what there's always hope and uh that's the process is the really most important thing yeah it's cool no i i definitely understand i played multiple years of youth soccer never winning for years in a row and then eventually we did get okay because it just like i think odds of you know, you can't just lose every game and not eventually get better. But um, no, uh, I wanted to ask you, um, Mandy, we're going to flip it because you guys talked about the positive things you take out of coaching in D3. There's also some drawbacks because we joked about small programs. Maybe just, look, maybe it's just budgets, but what's the least favorite part about coaching at, at that level, at the D3 level? Because, you don't. the one thing is, you know, resource aside, whatever else, you know, like D1 and even D2 coaches control a lot of schedule for their players. You don't get to quite do that. So I don't know if that's maybe the biggest challenge for you. Yeah, I would definitely say it's a challenge and also like can make it difficult just continuing to build that team environment is D3, you are limited as far as the off season of days that you can be with the team yeah. doing team activities. Um, so I think, you know, building off Colette, like it does build players as far as like the mentality of like, you have to be self-motivated and driven. Mm -hmm. um, and that's an aspect that definitely helps. But I think as far as like continuing to build cohesiveness and continuity, um, you know, you go from being in season and it's such an intense period of time to then you have kind of like this larger lull throughout the rest of the year. Um, mm -hmm. And you have some intermittent stuff built in there, you have training sessions, so forth and so on. But um, it really does. That is probably one of the hardest parts of being a division three program. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Any, any other challenge that come to mind for you, Colette? Oh, man, I was trying to think of something different, but I, I think you nailed it with just the resources, you know, that you have access to, uh, making sure that you can take care of the people that you have on staff and make sure that, you know, that they're taken care of as well. Um, and, and I think the the reality is, is the best part about Division Three is that it is that holistic. It's not your whole life. We want you mm -hmm. to have a college experience and have sports be a part of that, but not everything. Right. Um uh, but at the same time, I think that it's hard to match that with players that you're recruiting that have been in that machine of youth soccer of like full year programming and and like have these expectations of like, you know, the the programmed or the structured environment, right, that Mandy's talking about. And now it goes back to, well, you know, your habits are important, like are you able to do those things when nobody's asking you to do those and the different yeah. motivational levels 
yeah. uh, working with different things. So, I yeah, I think it's that push-pull, right, of uh, the upside-downside. But um, mm. I think, again, when you take the, the resources that you have and put them to use, um, I think that it's, it's definitely a grind of mm. um, being in it for the long haul, right, and remembering why you're there is mm. really important because yeah. it, it can get wearing over time. Yeah, yeah. Well, for the, the the summer, the summer season is very brief, but you will have that is one of the things that Aurora enjoys is the advantage of, you know, like committed uh, practice time, facilities, training environment and those resources. Uh, you, we see them come into play in games over, over time, whether it's just the depth of the squad or the shape and, and how they travel. Um, so that should be nice for both of you. You'll have, you'll be living a little bit uh, larger in terms of what you're working with. Um uh, I want a couple of quick questions. Then I have a few from listeners and Patreons that I wanted to get out to you guys. But you, you've mentioned a bit of uh, soccer history. I think I know some of the teams you all like. But what if, Colette, do you have a favorite? I mean, you must have grown up with a football club. What's your favorite football club? I, I do. I am a Manchester United supporter. Ooh, it's, been it's been tough, huh? It's been a tough. I'm I'm learning a lot. I'm my character's <laughs> developed on a weekly. You're humble. You grew up a cocky teenager. <laughs> yeah, there is nothing but nothing but wins. Oh dear, yes, it's been a bit challenging. But I I I used to play goalkeeper. I know that if you see me stand up, you'd be like, really? I don't uh -huh. think so. Um, but when we played five-a-size football, the the goals were like this big, so I was okay as a goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I really like Peter Schmeichel and sure. actually. Before that, John Lukic played for Leeds United back mm -hmm. in the day. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, I have some roots still there. And my dad yeah. uh, is a Nottingham Forest fan. So, you know, there's okay. there's still some Midlands, Yorkshire things there. But yeah, yeah. Wholeheartedly. Well, at least, hey, look, hey, I'm glad you guys got Gio Reynott. Dad, I'm glad you got Gio on loan. You got Matt <laughs> Turner back there. I love it. Forrest, you're going to stay up where you hope Forrest stays up. And Man United as well. <laughs> but uh, Man, no, Man United, they'll, they'll come around. I get sick of it being boring with the same old narrative. I actually want them to kind of get good again. I'm, it's boring now. Um, Mandy, how about you with growing up? I mean, and I, I grew up in rural Minnesota. So, look, I didn't have a lot of teams to follow. Uh, what was your favorite soccer team growing up or the first team you had a connection to? The first team I had a connection to would have been Everton. And that's mostly because Tim Howard and Landon Donovan were playing yeah, sure. at Everton at the time. Um, yeah. But, no, like, as I, as soccer became a little bit more available, um, Barcelona's always been my favorite. Like, I love watching players like Xavi and Iniesta. Yeah. Um, there's just magic in what they do, how they see the game, the way they feel the game. Um, and that's, that's something that I just love so much, how they talk about how they feel the game. Yeah. Um, so Barcelona has always been the team that I've been drawn to. It's just, for me, it's, it's poetry in motion. Um, they're beautiful mm -hmm. to watch now the men's team, not so much lately. Um, yeah. however, the women's team has really taken on the, the Barcelona DNA and identity yeah. and that's why they've been so phenomenal to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Last year when Barcelona was going into, well, they still are in, in like bad debts and bad debts. The women filling up the stadium for those Champions League yeah. games was a help because the men weren't selling it out. So they needed them to carry them and like just to survive. Uh, what, yeah. What a fun team to watch that. That feminine team is really, really fun. Um, uh, oh, this, so this is, this is from a listener. Colette, where do you eyes go? <laughs> well, I know who that is. Straight I away. serve that was very servicing to one uh, <laughs> follower, uh, Joe Demay. 
Joe DeMay. Hey, Joe. You want to explain the backdrop of what that joke? Why that joke is a he value? Wants, he wants me to explain, or should I have to? Explain? You don't have to. Look, we can leave it just for you and Joe too. That's fine. I'm, yeah. Oh, my, okay. I'll give you a quick. No mentioning, no names or context, but I was in a coaching <laughs> conversation, and we were talking about how you would talk to young players about. Let's say, for example, they were on towards the goal and they were about to score, but they mm. missed the shot or didn't take it. And how would you use age-appropriate language? Okay. Um, and um, you couldn't use the word "shoot" in your in your talking to them. So, uh, one of the suggestions was to ask the the child, "Where did your eyes go?" And uh, I, in my literal thinking and working with children for twenty years, was like. I couldn't help but just start laughing because I was like, well, they would be like, my eyes didn't go anywhere. They're still on my face. Yeah. <laughs> and I just could see these eyeballs rolling along the ground. And uh, it was one of those moments where it tickled me so much I couldn't <laughs> control myself. I don't think the rest of the room necessarily got it, but it was great for me. I love it. In my very small uh, uh, contact list of people that I would message uh, about an interview, look, someone, Joe wanted to get that there in there. Go. There you go, Joe. It's, it's for Sioux Falls City going pro in 2025. Um, so I'll send an autograph to him in, in the mail. Well, look, I mean, we'll take the, I'll take the gear. I already, I have two Sioux Falls City shirts, I will say. They, they have cool shirts. Um, the speaking of shirts, Mandy, I one of the things I heard. It, the, shout out to Blaine Soccer Club now Rush uh, for doing coach interviews because look, I had to do a little research. I did research; it was helpful. You said the first ever team you played on, you remember it wore pink and you hated it. Um, and I'm wondering the Aurora colors. It's not pink, but you know, like there's a vibe of kind of like teal and pastel. What? How do the Aurora colors work for you, Mandy? I love the Aurora colors. I actually have my scarf sitting right here, so. Oh. Like I, yeah. I can represent these all day long. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just that it was like Barbie hot pink. Yeah. And It'd at that so day in and time, wow. like it'd be so good now. Yeah, now, now, but not <laughs> not back when I was growing up. Like it was it it kind of just like the league had like screaming like uh-huh. these are just young girls. Uh-huh. They just want pink. They can't play kind of thing. And that's right. the vibe I got from it. Uh-huh. So that's yeah. why I think I didn't like it. You're like, this is business. Don't patronize me with this. Jersey. Yes. Come on. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, question from uh Ravantelet member, Daniel Dittmanson. He's also one of the drum and dorks at all the uh, Minnesota United games. He, what, what's your favorite state fair food for each of you? Colette, you go to the fair, you get Midwestern with us over there. I, I've been a couple of times, but not in the last couple of years. But corn on the cob would be my sure. favorite. Perfect. Love it. How I'm about sure. you, Mandy? I, you're from Iowa, so those would be fighting words. Maybe favorite Iowa State Fair food if you have to be loyal to Iowa. The thing is, is I've actually never been to the Iowa State Fair. <laughs> as big as it is, never been. And I've nice. only been to the Minnesota State Fair for one day. And yeah. I think I just got fried pickles, and that would have to be it. I mean, it's fun. To be honest, it's fun. I don't care about the state fair. But yeah, shout out to Daniel. Daniel, I do care about. Nice, nice supporter. Um, also, well, I wanted to ask you too, because y'all have so many different gigs. You like you have to do a lot of things to piece together. Um, in, in the most part, anyone who's being a coach in, in the soccer world is piecing together many things. So you must have kind of go-to disconnect activities or like, you know, whether you're binging something or maybe it's more healthy than that, but what's the, or not, or less healthy. What's your, what's your go-to disconnect? Mandy, I'll go to you first. Like when you just, you're like, maybe it's, you came back from a game. You're like, I can't think about soccer right now. Or it's just, you know, like you have one day off the week and you're like, I'm not 
doing soccer today? Like, what do you try to do? Go run. All right. Soccer adjacent. Yeah. The, get the endorphins <laughs> distract. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Colette? Uh, probably a walk or a bike ride. Just got my bike in mm. to get tuned up yesterday. So nice. time with friends on the trails and. Yeah. These two don't even watch TV, man. They 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 still just train when they're done. I love it. Well, look, that's going to lead to good uh, good success this summer. We're so excited to watch. Also, we're looking forward to you know release of the schedule in terms of seeing where we can catch Aurora too. How people are going to be able to watch the games. As always, we'll do watch parties at the Blackheart, I'm sure. And I wanted to say thank you to the Patreons, Pent Homes, and Modest Brewing. Thank you to Mandy and Colette for your time. We'll see you this summer. And I wanted to give one plug in terms of the women's game this month, the first ever CONCACAF W Gold Cup, which for people who don't care about acronyms or don't know what CONCACAF means, it's just the North American uh, soccer confederation. So the women are now having the same type of regularly uh, contested tournament that the men have, not just a qualifier. Um, so there's going to be games February 20th at 9 o'clock, February 26th at 9 o'clock. We're going to have them on at the Black Heart. So let's go watch. It'll be the first time for this tournament and uh, it'll be a lot of fun. Oh, one I was going to ask you, that it brings to mind Colette. I yes. know one of your experiences was coaching Maddie Deline at Edina, correct? Yes, it was. In fact, I was laughing because it's that generation now that are really in their prime. We had Jesse Hunt as well within that group. Oh, dang. Uh, used to play against Caitlin McBean at times within that age nice. range. I, I kind of sat a lot when I coached teams in that 10, 11, 12-year-old age uh -huh. group. So Maddie uh, played for us when we won the state championship at U12 or U11, I think, at the time. Okay. She, she got injured, so she scored all the goals to get the team there and then got injured in the last... Game. Yeah. So she ended up becoming the junior coach uh, for a little while. That's like um, Mighty Ducks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but had a lot of lot of fun with those players growing up and just seeing them now thrive. Wow, in the, in the those year. are. You're just, you're just, those are just all the names that I've been covering on D1 Minnesotans for four years. Yeah. Jesse Hunt, shout out, just drops. Uh, she's been like the assist queen in D1 the last uh, two years, but that's really cool. And the reason I brought it up is uh, that was actually, I think that was from, uh, that was one of our listeners who sent that in as well. But um, I think it might have been a Deline family member, but Maddie okay. plays. She plays at UNC, obviously historic, and then was playing in the under 20s um, yeah, the, in the, in the last tournament so yeah yeah, you, yeah and also i think and you also mentioned short time aurora player caitlin mcbean too so a little little aurora name drop thank you guys so much appreciate it and uh, we'll watch you all this season all right thank you so